0: dedicated to covering all aspects of the superman legend featuring the thrilling adventures of superman golden age superman the superman fan podcast superman in the bronze age from crisis to crisis a superman podcast superman forever radio the superman vidcast the world's best podcast and radio kale from superman as well as the audio dramas superman last son of krypton and Supergirl, Last Daughter of Krypton from Pendant Audio Production. Join hosts Michael Bradley, John Wilson, Billy Hogan, Charlie Niemeyer, Jeffrey Taylor, Michael Bailey, J. David Weeder, Kamen Stall, I'm Isaac, I'm Adam, Dave Eunice, and co host Scotty V at Superman Podcast Rocketed as a baby from the exploding planet Krypton, Kal-El grew to manhood on Earth whose yellow sun and lighter gravity gave him fantastic superpowers. In the city of Metropolis, he poses as TV newsman Clark Kent, but battles evil all over Earth and beyond as Superman. Hey, everybody and welcome to episode 31 of Superman in the Bronze Age, the only podcast covering Superman's adventures from 1970 to 1986. I am your host, Charlie Niemeyer, and before we get too far into the episode, I need to mention that this episode is sponsored by Discount Comic Book Service. Want to keep up on all of your favorite comics, graphic novels, and collected editions, but don't want to pay full retail price? Look no further than DCBS. DCBS is an online comics retailer that offers comic fans the comics they need at the prices they want. With monthly specials that range from 45 to 75% off the retail price and over 13,000 individual collected editions and graphic novels in stock, DCBS is the one-stop shop that every comic fan longs for. You can find them on the web at www.dcbservice.com Please also be sure to visit their sister stores, In Stock Trades and My Digital Comics. Now, I don't have any emails this time, but I do have an iTunes review, it as written by Steve Rogers, uh, and it says, "New feed, same super bronze goodness," and it's five stars. So, thank you, Steve. Uh, and he writes, "Been following the show since day one, and it's a great way to find out more about the a transitional time of the Man of Steel's history." Charlie's blend of humor and commentary is great and I'm looking forward to many more great episodes and that was really cool so thank you very much Steve Uh, also you may have heard the promo on a couple of other shows including this the last episode of this show but I wanted to officially announce that I'm going to be part of a new show called Podcast of Justice my co-host for the show is Isaac Frisbee from World's Best Podcast and together we're going to be covering the adventures of the Justice League, starting all the way back with their first Silver Age appearance in Brave and the Bold, and going all the way up to whatever is current by the time we catch up. That show should be starting up sometime in October, so make sure you watch for that. Now as far as this episode, I'm going to change things up just a little bit. If you'll recall, um, I've spent several episodes covering issues of Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen due to it being the main feature for the Morgan Edge subplot. Well, now that little plot has moved over to Superman's girlfriend Lois Lane for a couple of issues, and the story really starts moving towards its conclusion here. So I'm going to play a promo or two and be right back with the first of these issues. Take the mightiest superheroes on earth, each an invincible champion of justice. them together in a common cause against crime and evil. And you have the Justice League of America. And now their adventures are being chronicled on the Podcast, podcast of, Justice, of Justice. A bi-weekly podcast covering every issue of the Justice League from the Silver Age to today. Join hosts Charlene Meyer. Isaac Frisbee at Podcast of Justice. Blogspot.com. You are cordially invited to attend a podcast that observes the unfolding events of history. With me and observe the birth and growth of a legend. From the pages of a 10 cent pulp comic book to the newspapers, radio program adventures, theatrical films, and more. Witness the dawn of the superhero. TheNHSuperman.Lipson.com Every legend has a beginning. Our first issue this month is Supergirl Supergirl? Superman's Girlfriend Lois Lane, number 118. It had a cover date of January 1972 and was released on November 23rd, 1971 just in time for Thanksgiving. Uh, It had a cover price of 25 cents because this is still back when they were doing the huge 48 page thing where you had your main feature and the two smaller features in the back. And the cover art on this issue is by Dick Giordano, and it looks fantastic, I gotta tell you. Uh, The title of the story is Edge of Darkness, written by Robert Kaniger, penciled by Werner Roth, inked by Vince Coletta. Uh, An uncredited edition is Superman Heads, or inked by Murphy Anderson. Surprise, surprise. And the editor was E. Nelson Bridwell. Now, in the apartment of Morgan Edge, an automated panel opens and a tray of food slides through. But before it can close, the man inside flips the tray on its side so it will hold the panel open long enough for him to escape. The mysterious man is Morgan Edge, and he's now running through the streets of Metropolis. On what appears to be the next morning, we see Morgan Edge talking to Lois Lane before the broadcast of her popular show, People USA. Edge is trying to talk her into trying to discover Superman's secret identity because it would make for a great news story. She declines though, citing that she loves him too much to hurt him like that, which I guess means that she wasn't that fond of him back in the Silver Age. So she then goes to on to interview the Flying Jesters, who are putting on a free performance in the park by performing a human pyramid. But they soon make her part of the act by grabbing her, and not the dirty way, and sending her to the top as a helicopter flies in to grab her. It turns out that they are actually part of a crime syndicate, known as the 100. They force her up the rope ladder to the helicopter, while firing a gun to keep people away. Fortunately, Superman returns from his latest mission, just in time to save the day, by spinning the copter's rotor in reverse, causing it to slowly land and knock everyone off the ladder. At this point, he flies through the crowd of bad guys, knocking them all out. While he lets the authorities take care of coloring the criminals, Superman flies Lois to the Daily Planet offices of the WGBS villain so she could write the story up. Which is probably bad grammar, but that's okay. Soon, Edge returns to his apartment and realizes that the real Morgan Edge has escaped from his prison. We then get a flashback from the fake Edge, who reveals that the real Edge had been kidnapped while on vacation, and then cloned at the evil factory, which was run, of course, by Simeon and Mokari under the watchful eye of Darkseid himself. They were then able to use their machines to give the clone all of Edge's memories and mannerisms, while also making sure to make him loyal to Darkseid. Darkseid then orders him to kill the real Edge, but he's unable to carry out this order because it would be like killing himself. So instead, he just knocks him out and has a secret room built in onto Edge's apartment and has him kept there as a prisoner. Coming out of the flashback, the Edge clone realizes he needs to get the real deal back before Darkseid finds out and punishes him, and comes up with a plan to get Superman to find Edge for him. Later, while Lois and Superman are apparently having tea, because, you know, Superman has nothing else to do, and apparently neither does Lois, Lois gets a call from Edge, but he sounds incoherent. The pair fly to Edge's apartment where they meet Dr. Brell, who has been treating him for anxiety symptoms. Edge has left a message on the wall of his apartment, stating that he's going out of his mind and asking for help. So Superman takes off to go look for Edge, while Lois decides to help by driving in her car. After a few hours, Lois finds Edge, but only because he's about to ram into her car with his. She gets out of the way in time, but Edge's car crashes into a store window. Superman has seen this and checks on Lois before they go to the store window and find that Edge is gone but has left another message on the car windshield. So they resume their search, but this time in the air, with Superman carrying Lois. After about an hour or so, they spot a fire in a building on an abandoned slum street. Superman's able to put out the blaze, but they spot another message from Edge. Once again, resuming the search, they spot something shining at them from a car junkyard. It's the real Edge, who claims to know nothing about the messages that uh, he's been leaving, while also claiming that there is another Morgan Edge running around. All three of them return to Edge's apartment, and a quick check by Superman of Edge's fingerprints, skin pores, and voice print, because he can pick those things up with the superhearing, indicates that this is the same Edge that the hero has been dealing with all the time, leading everyone to think that Edge has gone a little crazy. So Dr. Burrell tells the heroes that he'll perform some therapy on Edge at his private hospital. Later, the Edge clone returns to his apartment, having removed his Dr. Burrell disguise, and is very pleased that all went according to plan. But he soon gets a call from one of his agents that Edge leapt at the ambulance driver, causing it to overturn in a river and allowing Edge to to escape. And that's how the first story ends. And I kind of admit, this is a pretty cool story. Uh, Still not sure why Darkseid would bother with any of this, though. I mean, he's not really the type of guy to rely on humans. Cloned or otherwise for anything. I don't know that this was ever part of Kirby's original plan, since his stories never indicated anything about an Edge clone. But it all fits within the established continuity to this point, so that's pretty cool. And it was nice to see so much Kirby stuff being integrated into a non-Kirby book, bur- bur- into a non-Kirby book in such an organic way. And the art here, well, it wasn't that great, but it is serviceable. Not sure how much is due to Coletta's inking, though. But, you know, he's not the best. I did find it interesting that we once again have Murphy Anderson inking Kirby's head to keep him on model. So it wasn't just Kirby that had to deal with that at this time. But once again, it really doesn't mesh well with the other artwork. And next up is Superman's Girlfriend, Lois Lane, number 119, which I'll get to right after this. After these messages, will be right back. In October. Return to the fight for freedom. In the name of adventure. I'm Luke Skywalker. Uh, I have a really bad feeling about this. Return of the Jedi. I will not fight you. You must confront Vader. You are unwise to lower your defenses. Century Fox and George Lucas present. The time for our attack has come. The last chapter of the Star Wars trilogy special edition. Well, how could they be jamming us when they don't know we're coming? It's a trap. Your fleet is lost, and your friends will not survive. Don't move. I love you. I know. There is no escape. No! Return of the Jedi with newly enhanced visual effects. DHX and digital sound. And a few new surprises. Live the magic. Experience the power. And feel the force. Like never before. I am a Jedi. Like my father before me, so be it. Jedi. In October, the last chapter of the Star Wars Trilogy Special Edition. Return of the Jedi. At 2TrueFreaks.libson.com. Look! Steel and more. SupermanHomePage.com Superman's girlfriend, Lois Lane, number 119, had a cover date of February 1972 and was released on December 28, 1971. So, Merry Christmas. It also had a cover date of 25 cents because it's still from that era. And it had a cover uh, cover art by Bob Oskner and Dick Giordano. Now, Bob, I want you to remember Bob Oskner's name. Uh, I may have mentioned this on a previous episode, but he's going to be a uh, pretty, uh, well, he's going to end up becoming a regular on the Superman books a few years' time, cover art-wise, or, yeah, cover date-wise, uh, as after Murphy Anderson, Ostner's going to be the next regular swan inker in the mid-part of the 70s, so you'll be hearing his name for a while. And, of course, Dick Tiragano is just awesome, and he makes the cover work even better. So the title of this is called Inside the Outsiders, and no, it's not those outsiders. Written by Robert Kaniger, penciled by Werner Roth, inked by Vinnie Coletta. The Superman Heads, again, were by Murphy Anderson and was edited by E. Nelson Bridwell. At an unnamed airfield, which is weird, Lois broadcasts another episode of People USA. She seems to do that as a Jesuit guest. This time featuring the Sky Angels free fall competition. Joining the angels is Lois No, not Lois. Joining the Angels this time is Lucy Lane, Lois's little sister. So for those of you who are unaware, it as I was when I started reading this issue, by this point in her life Lucy is no longer dating Jimmy and has become a bit of a daredevil. Lois, in a bit of the pot calling the kettle black, is worried about her sister's reckless behavior and begs her not to go, but Lucy goes off anyway. Up in the plane, Lucy decides to only jump with one chute instead of the usual two and waits until the last minute before pulling the cord well after the other angels have already pulled theirs, guaranteeing her the victory unless she dies. Unfortunately, her risers are snared, which means she could die. But by using a combination of heat vision and super breath, referred to in the issue as hurricane breath, from the ground, Superman is able to open her chute and help her to the ground without Lucy even realizing what has happened. After she lands, Lois again pleads with Lucy to settle down, but Lucy won't hear it and leaves. So Lois then cries into Superman's chest before being reminded to finish her broadcast, which she does with tears in her eyes. In the grandstands is the clone of Morgan Edge, who reminds us both of his origins and recaps last issue. We then cut back to when the real Edge caused the ambulance to overturn the river. We see him reach the surface and climb back up to the road while trying to figure out how to convince people that he's the real Morgan Edge. Fortunately for him, Yango and the outsiders pull up and allow him to join their group without him even having to tell them his name. Back in the present, we get a quick scene with Lois crying about Lucy some more before we cut to the Edge clone again who, since he basically has the same brain as the real Edge, tries to figure out what he would do if he was in the same situation. Deciding that he'd probably hide in a group, since there is safety in numbers, uh, he sends Lois on a what I call a wild goose chase. Basically, her job is to interview and photograph any group she can find. That's all he says. Uh, At that moment, Clark and Lucy are paying Lois a visit, so she decides she's going to take Lucy with her to take pictures, and Lois goes out in search of groups. Anyway, after a few days, Clark offers a suggestion to Edge to check that Lois check in on the outsiders, who have moved to an abandoned farm outside of the city. Thinking that that could be where the real Edge is hiding, the clone comes up with a plan. He goes to the evil factory, which since this story took place before Jimmy and the newsboys destroyed it, is still around, and has Simeon and Mokari create 12 non-living bodies. He then contacts Iron Mask and Voodoo, who used to lead the Outsiders before Jimmy met them way back in Jimmy Olsen number 153, and sends Lois to interview the Outsiders. The next day, Lois and Lucy meet up with Yanko and the Outsiders, learning that they've put the past behind them and are now creating a peaceful community, where they grow their own food and make their own clothes, and get their kicks by loving their neighbors and loving God. At this point, Yango is attacked by Voodoo and Iron Mask, but instead of fighting back, he offers them a place in their community. And because we've only got a couple pages left, this pretty much freaks the villains out, and they just run away. However, in the Outsiders' farmland, a police officer's and who the people who I'm assuming are locals respond to an anonymous call that says the Outsiders are really a murderous cult and seem to find proof in 12 lifeless bodies that they find. But Superman, just out of thin air, well, actually, probably from the sky, uh, shows up and points out the lifeless bodies just seem too perfect with no lines on their faces. Therefore, the conclusion is made that these aren't real people, just some kind of fake bodies. So Superman flies the girls back to Metropolis. Lois bids Lucy a tearful farewell, and then gives Edge the story about how Superman saved the Outsiders, which upsets the clone because that means that the real Morgan Edge is still alive out there somewhere. Now the first thing I notice is that this issue is a lot of setup with a really quick pick, uh, payoff. The whole thing about Lucy being a daredevil is pretty much forgotten all about halfway through. And Lois spends most of the issue crying. And don't even get me started on that stupid assignment that Edge gives Lois. I mean, interview and photograph any group you come across? Really? While you're at it, Lois, also talk to and photograph every guy you see wearing a hat. I mean, come on. It sounds more like a job to give a club reporter to keep him or her busy, not a story you would give to one of your best reporters. Uh, The art is better this time, though, although Roth, just does not draw a very good Yango. And he kind of looks like he's got bangs and an afro. It just doesn't look right. Uh, it looks more like, uh, and for this, for some reason, this issue, Superman's heads look more like they're done by Swan and Anderson, rather than just Anderson. I don't know, maybe they did some cutting and pasting or something. Uh, but I haven't found any evidence that Swan did anything on this. All in all, though, it wasn't a terrible issue, but not the best either. So, next episode will conclude the Morgan Edge clone saga in Jimmy Olsen number 152, and also catch us up with, which also will catch us up with the regular Superman folks as we hit the issues with the September 1972 cover date. Also, we'll be making a little bit of announcement concerning the future of the show. So until then, I hope everyone has a great week, And I will talk to you then. Thank you for listening to Superman in the Bronze Age, hosted by Charlie Niemeyer. Superman in the Bronze Age is a proud member of the Superman Podcast Network at www.fortressofbaily2.com slash supermanpodcastnetwork, where new episodes are posted weekly. Episodes are also posted at superbronze1970.libsyn.com. And supermanhomepage.com You can also subscribe to this show Via RSS feed and iTunes All images, characters, and music Used in the show are for entertainment Purposes only No money is made by the show Superman is created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Shuster Thank you for listening And God bless Superman is also a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Publications.